Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. A hard day at work, studying all day in the library for that upcoming physics test. After all of this, what do we have in life if not for laughter and smiles? Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte, and today the theme for our show is the gift of humor. And I'm Zara. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. This week's show is all about humor, but don't be fooled because the segments we have lined up for today are no joke. Be sure to stay tuned into our third and fourth <coughs> segments for our exclusive interview with the star of the new Peanuts movie, Hadley Bell Miller, the voice of Lucy. For our first segment, we'll begin with a chapter from the Beat the Star You Are book titled The Gift of Humor. This chapter was penned by Dr. Joel Goodman, the founder and director of the hu- Humor Project that concentrates on the power of humor and creativity. This is The Gift of Humor. All right, and this is by Dr. Joel Goodman. And so let's begin. So Dr. Jim Boren wanted to, to prevent World War III. His strategy was based on the notion that laughter has no accent. This became the theme for Jim's comedic cultural connection between the United States and what was then the Soviet Union. In the midst of the not-so-funny Cold War, Jim thought we should use humor to, bridge, be, to build bridges between our two countries and cultures. I had the good fortune to be one of five Americans who traveled to Moscow for a three-week joyous jaunt to start this exchange program. When I told friends about this trip, they were incredulous and wondered aloud, do Russians have a sense of humor? What tickled me was that when we arrived in Moscow, one of the first questions from the Soviets was, do Americans have a sense of humor? I am happy to report the mutual, mirthful, meaningful discovery that a sense of humor is a quality that we shared. We all realized that what we had a lot more in common as humor beings (laughs) than our differences. Uh I was delighted that this comedic cultural exchange continued on our side of the ocean. A group of five top Soviet humorists made their first stop in the U.S. at the home of the Humor Project in Saratoga Springs, New York. We arranged a variety of events for the Soviets, a public forum attended by hundreds of people in our community, a visit to an elementary school, and a trip to a local hospital at which we had set up a humor room to help lift the comic spirits of patients. 
We were especially excited about a peak experience that we had planned for our visitors as a surprise. A hot air balloon festival at the height of the glorious fall foliage in the Adirondack Mountains. Each of five balloons included one American, one Soviet, and the balloonist. I was in the balloon with Andre Benyuk, a frizzy-haired and mustachioed editor of Crocodile, the national Soviet humor magazine. As we ascended above the breathtaking grandeur of Lake George, I realized that Andre was out of breath for another reason. In a trembling voice, he confessed with a shiver, I am deathly afraid of heights. This was not a great discovery for me to make at 2,000 feet above the colored splash mountains. In the snug space of our balloon basket, Andre was holding on to me for dear life. It was during this time aloft that we began kidding around. We moved from grim and beat it and bear it to grin and share it. Before long, Andre's trembling with fear morphed into shaking with laughter. Our guess you had to be there banter ranged from spontaneous satire, being in this balloon, it's clear that the politicians aren't the only ones filled with hot air, <laughs> to playing with the situation. Being in a hot balloon, air balloon with a fear of heights is the height of silliness. In the midst of our comedic camaraderie, I also learned that Andre's daughter is named Alika. I told him that my daughter is Alyssa. In that moment, we both knew in our hearts that we were doing this humor exchange program to provide a safe, loving, laughing legacy for our children. The hot air balloon became a metaphor. That we were in this world together, literally and figuratively. And that we would either crash or rise to the occasion together. In the cozy confines of the hot air balloon basket, I appreciated, again, the levity that levity defies gravity, and that laughter has no accent. I was also reminded of Irma Bombeck's wonderful wit and wisdom. When humor goes, there goes civilization. My up-and-close personal experience with Andre reinforced the idea that laughter is the shortest distance between two people, and between two peoples. All right. So today we also have an exercise, penned by the author, named Make a Habit of Farce. So for 21 days in a row, enjoy any or all of the following home play assignments. One, call a mental timeout for five minutes each day to look for the humor in the world around you and within you. Keep a humor diary of your comic visions. Number two would be the next time you are in a stressful situation, ask yourself how your favorite comedian would see the circumstance. This can be a great way for you to reframe and to transform stress into laughter. Number three would be think of a friend or family member who could use a boost. Give that person the gift of laughter by sharing a joke or cartoon that would tickle his or her funny bone. In the process, you will also discover that laughter is actually the shortest distance between two people. So I really do think that this entire, you know, story, this article, this chapter really defines, you know, the joy in life really helps us realize that there's more to life than stress and pressure. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I think this is the best um, instance to prove the saying that laughter really is the best medicine because, you know, mm -hmm. with this project, you know, there's really no actual like medication they're giving anyone is just making mm -hmm. them laugh. And that's, um, you know, everyone likes to laugh and everyone likes that feeling um, of, you know, being happy and laughing. And I think, you know, that really is the best medicine um, pretty much all the time. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like, yeah, there's definitely that aspect of, you know, connecting with other people over something that you find, you know, mutually humorous as this this story about, you know, the different cultures and during the Cold War, which was a time of great tension. And I love how they were able to, you know, yeah, back away from that situation and calm down and have, you know, a laugh together and to really enjoy spending time together through humor and through the appreciation of humor. Right, yeah, and like you were saying, you know, there was so much tension between the U.S. and the Soviet mm-hmm. Union at the time, and that's, like, probably, you know, when all these, like, Soviet stereotypes, like, oh, they're cold and hard, and, you know, they don't have a sense mm-hmm. of humor, like, all this <laughs> stuff was forming, and, like, it's so, like, mm-hmm. great to see that, like, during this time where there was a lot of, like, anti-Russian, anti-Soviet sentiment that, you know, there were these people that were really connecting with each other and saw that, you know, one thing that they really did have in common was their sense mm-hmm. of humor, and... I think that's the great thing about humor. Like you said, that it connects people like that, even in times Mm -hmm. of like, you know, increased tension. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like laughter and humor is a really, you know, humanizing thing where, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) humanizing, humorizing, but but really if you kind of view someone or a body of people or like a state as your enemy, then what often happens, as in the case of the Cold War, is, you know, you tend to dehumanize them. And through laughter and through humor and the mutual seeing that the other party can also laugh and also express such a human emotion, it really connects, you know, two adversaries and brings them together through this common trait, this common humanistic trait. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think another really great thing about the story is that the humor isn't derived from, like, making fun of, like, either the Soviets or Americans. Like, a lot of times, um, you know, like, during these times, you'd see, like, propaganda that was supposed to be, like, funny that was, like, making fun of Soviets. But, you know, that's not, like, real humor. Like, real humor, I think, is when all parties are laughing. Like, not just one person is like, oh, you know, Soviets Mm -hmm. so funny, like, ha ha ha. But, you know, I think that's really great, too. Yeah, exactly. There's that distinction between, you know, laughing at someone and laughing with someone. And the first, the former one is, you know, not a kind thing, not encouraged, like, but the second one, yeah, really brings people together where you're able to laugh with someone and share their sense of humor, kind of connect with them really strongly through, you know, the gift of laughter, which I feel like is what this week is really about. You know, you can really bring together people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like, I don't think there's any time where humor, like, you know, there's no time where, like, humor fails to lighten the situation or, like, you know, just Mm -hmm. take the pressure off of people. Like, even in very serious situations, like, some of the, like, uh, most relieving times in those situations is when, you know, someone says something funny. And even though it might be, like, something lighthearted in a really serious situation, like, it's just the thing you need to just kind of, like relax and not be so serious all the time um and you know like during the cold war like everyone was so serious i think they just needed a little bit of like easing um yeah and you know that's exactly what humor did for them and will continue to do for years and years i think yeah definitely that's a great viewpoint yeah and i don't know it's just like This, like, exercise is really cool, too. Like, I like to call a mental timeout for five minutes each day to look at humor in the world around you because often, like, we don't even realize that people are being funnier, that, you know, like, 
we're so mm-hmm. caught up in the day-to-day business of life that we don't appreciate humor around yeah. It's really important to do that, I think, mm-hmm. for sure. We forget All about right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, thank you for this great discussion. During the thank break, you. everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Zara. And I'm Brigitte. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of humor when we return for a Hope Heal segment by Zara. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Brigitte, and today our show is all about laughter and humor. And our host and Hope Heals reporter joins us with a segment of laughter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Um, So I'm just going to be talking about how um, humor gives people hope and different kinds of humor and, you know, just the general Mm -hmm. gift of humor. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have you here as a host and as the segment reporter. All right. So let's start this discussion with a question. So with so much of the humor out there being so cynical, in what ways do you think humor is going to give us hope? Um, well, I think it's true that cynicism cynicism is kind of synonymous with, like, doubtful people who like to burst people's bubbles and criticize everything, you know, but themselves mm-hmm. sometimes. But I think cynicism is often way more effective than just like preaching because it does make people realize that you need to doubt stuff in the world and doubt is needed. And I think mm-hmm. um, like even in the play we just read in class, it's called Inherit the Wind. There's like the cynical character 
And the main lawyer in the book tells him that he's someone who just, like, hounds all the heels of great men instead of, like, actually being a great man himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's saying that the cynical guy, he just complains about everything. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, like, when I try to remember quotes from that book or, like, when I'm writing an essay or something for it, mm-hmm. most of the quotes come from the cynical guy because, like, they're the most concise yet insightful. And, like, people remember mm-hmm. those, like, short, quick, cynical witticisms because they do give them the hope that you aren't the only one who clearly sees that there are things wrong in the world. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in a world that is so sugar-coated, people are, like, so depressed sometimes that no one is willing to say, like, you know, the Mm -hmm. truth, the whole truth, the nothing but the truth. But when you add (laughs) in a cynical character, you know, into a book or into real life who acknowledges their own faults as well as, like, the extent Mm -hmm. of society's fault, it definitely finally gives you... um, the hope that, you know, there is truth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great insight. And I definitely agree with you that, you know, the cynical character is a very rememberable character, memorable character. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> I feel like what's really funny is that the cynical character might be able to bring quotes more down into more concise statements, partly because I feel like, to be cynical and to be able to criticize through dry humor, you really need to have a broad understanding of the topic so that you can kind of, you know, condense the entire issue into one little right, yeah. cynical humor statement. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, a lot of people view, you know, humor as kind of a pastime, as kind of, again, it's not serious because, you know, it's supposed to be funny, it's supposed to be humorous. But the thing is, is a humorous person, in your opinion, really a fool? Um, you know, I really don't think so. Like, people always think that humor is some way that, like, stupid people cover up their idiocy, but I really think you have to have a sharp mind in order to be funny Mm -hmm. and to be humorous. Like, you think of fools as being, like, ignorant and blind but humorous people often like make remarks that are insightful even if it's a different kind of insightful that you're used to and that's Mm -hmm. I think why they face so much backlash from people um I think that you know like telling people Mm -hmm. uh that they're a fool because they joke about stuff and most of the things they say are funny is just like society's way of trying to give less credit to funny people than to those that are like strictly serious because like I think sometimes if you're too serious, you become a fool yourself and you're kind of mm-hmm. phony, but like, <laughs> like you can't acknowledge it because like you're so serious, you know? But like yeah. once you learn to have a sense of humor, suddenly other people start thinking that you're a fool, which I don't think is fair at all because I don't know, like I think now that I think about it, maybe it's because like with humor, you aren't necessarily telling people what to think, but mm-hmm. you're like opening their minds on a subject, whereas like with a speech or something, everything is really clear and you like your ideas are really clearly outlined and like your viewpoints mm-hmm. and you're supposed to make yourself look professional instead of like purposefully acting funny as you do with humor. Yeah. And yeah. And like people like don't want to be ridiculous because they think that their lives are, you know, so important that they can't have fun for even a minute. Um, mm-hmm. And this like reminds me a lot of a quote from my favorite children's author, Roald Dahl. And like just a reminder here that Roald Dahl mm-hmm. is like the perfect example of a humorist because his humor is so like, dark and ugly and but like Mm -hmm. at the same time that challenges the stereotype that kids just like listening to fairy tales and that they're so like innocent and they don't see faults in the world like you know I remember when I was a kid I hated like reading fairy tales and like I really like (laughs) you know like James Mm -hmm. James like rolled over his aunts with that giant peach or like (laughs) you know the other kid like stuck a like hot poker in his grandma's mouth yeah Um, yeah I remember mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, yeah, go on. Yep. Oh, yeah, there's, um, what was it, Matilda, especially? Right, I yeah. remember, yeah, since you've talked about Roald Dahl, I love Roald Dahl. I agree with you. He's too, such a yeah. great author. Yeah, and he really, you know, he definitely uses humor to kind of influence his audience of children to kind of really look more towards humor and see it in a more serious light, even though, you know, it's humor. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, humor does not always equate being stupid, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even he, like, he's known as a children's author, but he wrote a lot of, like, riveting and really serious adult story. But even, and this is the mm-hmm. quote, he, like, the quote is that, um, a little nonsense now and then is cherished by the wisest men. And I think mm-hmm. that is so true because, like, you need some, like, foolishness and fun in your life. Like, you can't say that your life is too serious and, like, you know, your passion lies in truth or whatever people say to bring down, like, funny people and make excuses for why, <laughs> like, they don't have time for humor or whatever. But I think if you don't laugh at yourself and, like, do insane things sometimes, like, your life mm-hmm. isn't really complete. And I think, you know, nonsense has such a negative connotation, but I think by nonsense he means that if you can't let go and, like, hang loose for a while, then you aren't wise at all. Um, Mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like he means, like, why not act like a kid? Why not make jokes? Like, why not be funny? Because, like, you know, people think it's so, um, you know, below them. Um, but in that case, maybe you're, like, just phony if you think it's below you. Maybe, like, you're a little too, you know, phony intellectual. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, because, like, you know, wise people know that in order to be wise, you have to be able to acknowledge your faults. Um, and faults within society without, like, seeming preachy and condescending. You have to be able to make feel, people feel good if you mm-hmm. want to be a good person. And we all know that laughter, um, like I said before, mm-hmm. too, is, like, the best feel-good medicine. So, yeah. Yeah, so it really helps people. Yeah. So you did talk about, uh, yeah, exactly, humor is the best medicine. So what, in your opinion, are the most and least effective kinds of humor in terms of this? I think the most effective is one the humor makes you question like a preconceived notion. And I've talked mm-hmm. like a little bit about this and it sounds like I'm saying that like the most effective humor is the kind that's almost like serious mm-hmm. and that makes you like think so much about the world but like that isn't necessarily the case. Like the fact is that most of the humor people laugh at already has like undertones of actual problems. And you can, like, mm-hmm. choose to laugh at just the joke or to laugh at, like, the whole bigger picture. Like, it's all up to you, like, how mm-hmm. funny you want to find it. Um, and I think it's just about, like, sitting there contemplating what a funny guy said. I think it's, like, actually about, like, laughing at the world because the world, you know, it is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, looking around and seeing that other people, like, think the world is pretty ridiculous, too. And that, like, right there, <laughs> you know, just, like, that looking around gives you some hope um, and, like, lets you connect mm-hmm. with people. Um but even then, you know, everybody needs some, like, slapstick sometimes because it's helpful to see that you aren't the only one who, like, makes mistakes. Like, you aren't mm-hmm. the only one that bumps into doors and laughs instead of cry, like, you know, laughs instead of cries. And, like, you aren't the only mm-hmm. one that tries to rub pepper in your eyes during a bio lab just so you can use the eye wash because it, like, looks really cool, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, like, slapstick is hilarious because it makes you happy yeah. and gives you the hope that people aren't too serious. And, like, yeah. Um, and I think the least effective kind of humor is, like, the kind of humor that puts others down. Like, I just, like, that. my mind goes to, like, this shirt that, like, a bunch mm-hmm. of, like, guys always wear. I'm so sick of it. It just says, like, keep calm and make me a sandwich, something like that. I don't even, like, mm-hmm. it's such a stupid joke that I don't even remember it. But, like, 
you know, we get it. Like, you're a product of the patriarchy. You think that by putting down, like, literally more than half the population that you're being funny. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's really not the case. And, like, it's the same thing with, like, those people on Halloween that think that blackface is funny and, like, all their pictures where they're in, like, cornrows, their lips are puffed up and they think, like, these are white people, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and they think that, like, they have a, like, good black voice, like, quote-unquote, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and, like, you know, we think, oh, minstrel shows are, like, a thing of the past. Um, but we still, like, face those same instances today. Uh-huh. People think they're funny, but their humor is just, like, so easy because it puts other people down. Like, that's the easiest kind of humor to have, but it's not funny at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's still important to acknowledge that there are, like, all different kinds of humor. And depending on your mood and preference, um, like, any kind of humor can be funny, like, from, you know, self-deprecation to like dark humor to puns they all have their merits and follies i think yeah definitely and there's really i feel you where there's this whole wide range of things you can say and do to make somebody else laugh make yourself laugh you know cheer yourself up so thank you so much zara for giving us this insight on what humor means to us and why it's important to have hope and why humor gives us hope Support our show and these amazing segments by giving a donation to Be The Star You Are, charity, that brings you this program. For more information on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org. I'm Brigitte. And I'm Zara. Also remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. When we come back from break, we'll be talking with the star of the new Peanut movie, Hadley Bell Miller, the voice of Lucy. So don't go anywhere. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Women Investing in Women and Girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. What about the world concerns you? Is it future success? Is it world issues? Are you just looking to change the world in general? Tune in to What Up World? It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or what you look like. Everyone is entitled to the same chance for success. Follow your dreams. Move forward. Make a difference. Tune in to What Up World every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm your host, Brigitte Gia, and today's topic is humor. And I'm Zara. Joining us today is Hadley Bell Miller, the talented triple threat star of the new Peanuts movie. She is the voice of Lucy, known around the neighborhood and by her little brother Linus for being crabby, a boss, and humiliating Charlie Brown. Hadley's voiceover credits include Sophia the First and Jake in the Neverland Pirates. Hadley has been involved in national and regional theater, including playing Michael Darling in the national tour of Catherine Rigby's Peter Pan, Young Fiona in Shrek the Musical, Gretel in The Sound of Music, and Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol. Hadley regularly performs in cabaret shows, including for Kritzlerland Productions in Los Angeles and New York. Hi, Hadley. Hi. Awesome. Yeah, Hadley, it's great to have you here today. And, you know, I know it's like a great opportunity to play an iconic character in a film since Peanuts is so you know, widely known. So how has this experience been like for you? It's been a super fun experience. All of the kids are super nice. And the mm-hmm. director, Steve Martino, is very helpful. So I'm really lucky to have gotten this amazing opportunity. That's that's really awesome, yeah. And you know, it's it must be so huge to like play in this giant film. So, do you have any preparations for your role? Like, how do you prepare for your role before going into the studio to record for such a huge part? Well, I would watch the specials, and I especially liked watching Charlie Brown pull the football away from Charlie Brown or Lucy pull the football away from Charlie Brown because. <laughs> That's, like, a classic scene. Yeah. And I just watched the specials, and I thought they were all really funny. So that's how I really prepared. Nice. Wow, that's actually, yeah, interesting. And, you know, before, um, you know, I said that Lucy is known as, like, the one that, like, humiliates Charlie Brown, and she's bossy and crabby. Um, And do you think that, you know, her personality, like, uh, reflects yours anyways in any way? Like, how are you similar to your character and how are you different? Well, she likes helping people and I like to help out my friends because she, like, has a psychiatric booth. Mm-hmm. And, but she also likes to tease people and kind of, um, mm-hmm. like, make fun of them, like you said, with Charlie Brown. And I don't, really like to do that because it's mean Mm -hmm. and yeah she stands up for what she believes in and she's a leader so I think I'm like her in those ways Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. um Lucy is definitely you know very headstrong female you know she's very out there and she's not afraid to show like her personality and I feel like yeah when you have this character that's really great um thank you yeah. <laughs> um, so what was really the most exciting part of playing the role of Lucy, you know, becoming a part, a member of the Peanuts gang? Well, I really liked that I got to be a little mean to Charlie Brown, because if I acted like <laughs> that at home, I'd get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so it was fun to get to be all mean to him and pretend. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being a little bossy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. is there, like, you know, we know that you've done a lot of acting on stage and on camera, but what was it like to, you know, do voiceover work as well? Like, how is that in comparison to acting and on stage stuff? Well, it's really fun, and it's a little less challenging because you don't have to memorize a script. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> but um, I really like it because um, in mm-hmm. real acting, you have to be on all the time. And in mm-hmm. voice acting, you can, like, take a break. And the funny thing is half of the cast was in New York mm-hmm. and half was in California. Oh. So we never even recorded together. The first time we met each other was a year after we got the part on Thanksgiving last year. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. That must have been pretty hard. Like, do yeah. you think that, you know, like, being so young, do you ever find that it's, like, really hard to, you know, um, have this, like, talent and stuff? Like, how old were you when you, like, first started acting? And, like, was it hard to, you know, like, um, instead of just, like, going to school the whole time, also having this, like, side like, job yeah. at such a young age? Yeah, I started acting when I was, like, about six years old. Oh, and, wow. And, um, yeah, I had to take some breaks off of school. I actually mm-hmm. just came back off of a three-week break for promoting the movie. Oh. Oh, wow. And when I played Michael Darling and Peter Pan, I had mm-hmm. to take a four-month break of school, so that was a little challenging. But it was really fun, and I like mm-hmm. doing all this work. Yeah, and I've noticed that there's so yeah. many, like, um, like Peter Pan revivals recently, and you've been in Peter Pan, so um, yeah. could you, like, tell us about, you know, being on a national touring company? Like, what is that like? Well, that was really fun, and I know it's a kid's show, but there were only two kids in the whole play. The, oh. other, the other people who played kids were, like young adults Mm -hmm. but they they were like Mm -hmm. 20 and and so so, they looked younger (laughs) (laughs) that was really fun because Mm -hmm. I got to go on a bunch of field trips and so I did a lot of history and normally history is boring for me (laughs) but but that was the only year that I really liked history oh man so yeah you get to like travel around and kind of Get a sense of that. <laughs> a lot of yeah. history. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because yeah. I walked. Yeah, I, go. Mm-hmm. I walked the Freedom Trail, and I went to the nice. Underground Railroad uh-huh. Museum. Wow, that's amazing. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, it's so, like, you really get to get in connection with history, and then it ties in with classes. So, yeah. do you go to a regular school then, or are you taught on the set by movie teachers, or, like, maybe online school, I've heard, is, like, an option, or... Well, I go to a public school, but when I have mm-hmm. to record, I'll either go after school or mm-hmm. I'll go to school and then record and then do three more hours of school. But oh. I'm, I normally just go to my regular public school. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and do you find that, you know, like when you're away for such a long time, um, and that you're, like, you know, balancing your acting with your school. Do you find it hard to catch up with your schoolwork, like, when you take a break from regular school? Well, I did an independent study um, for the three weeks I was gone. But oh. 
I still have a lot of history to catch up on. <laughs> I we, we're learning about uh, King Tut, and I have to do a whole report on it. So it's due on Monday. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um. You know, I know that, like, Peter Pan, also, there's so much history surrounding that, like, you know, in the Victorian era, it was such a, like, moving um, piece of literature, and, um, like, have you ever been to Kensington Gardens, like, the place where, um, like, J.M. Barry like, wrote Peter Pan and stuff? No, I've never been there. Oh, yeah. I hmm. never even knew that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't either. Wow, that's a, that's a cool fact. New fact for me. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, yeah, I actually went there over the summer, and it was, like, super cool. Um, So do you think, do you like traveling in general? Like, do you want, like, want to go on, like, more field trips and stuff? Like, you know, visit King Tut and all? <laughs> well, I love to travel, but in middle school, you don't go on any field trips, so it's kind of disappointing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the year, I think I might get to go to Disneyland. Ooh, nice. Yeah, Disneyland never gets old. <laughs> Not really a field trip, but probably mm. more fun. Yeah. So, Hadley, what was it like playing young Fiona in Shrek the Musical? It was very fun because I got to go in this high tower, and it was this moving thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, like, really in awe by it because I was only eight or nine years old, and I thought wow. it was super cool. Yeah, to be in a moving tower. And really to, um, how was it How was it recreating, you know, being a princess from this huge film, you know, this huge blockbuster? How was that? Well, it was really fun because I, I like singing and I got to do some singing in that. So that was really mm-hmm. fun. That's so nice. cool. Yeah, do you think that you like relate more to like Fiona's character or like Lucy and Peanuts? I probably relate to Lucy more because I was never trapped in one place for <laughs> my whole life. But yeah, so I think I relate to Lucy more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Wow. All right. So Thanks, Hadley, so much for this awesome conversation. And it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you about all your acting endeavors and experiences. And yeah. so, yeah, I wish the Peanuts movie great success. I'm definitely going to go out and see it. Yeah. It sounds great. And let's continue talking in our next segment. So find awesome. Hadley online at her website, http www.hadleybellmiller.com. Or on Instagram, um, Instagram.com slash Miss Hadley Bell. Also during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be the Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. I'm Zara, and don't go anywhere as we continue talking to Hadley. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Zara, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of humor. And I'm Brigitte. With us today is the voice of Lucy in the new Peanuts movie from uh, Hadley Bell Miller. And so you can actually visit the official Peanuts movie webpage at www.peanutsmovie.com. Hi, Hadley. I think it's safe to say that many people are listening in are familiar with the stories of Peanuts and the Charlie Brown comics. Were you really familiar? Oh, you said in the last segment that you did enjoy watching the specials to get into, you know, the role. And were you familiar? Yeah. And, you know, it's great to be familiar with all these comics and you're able to kind of portray Lucy in this huge line of comics. So Mm -hmm. were you familiar with the Peanuts um, line and your character Lucy before landing your role in the movie? Yes. When I was seven years old, I played Sally in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And that is how I knew Peanut. And then I started watching some of the specials. But more recently, I've started reading the comic strips, and I've really been enjoying those. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. And, like, you know, that you um, used to watch Peanuts before, and now you actually get to be in it. Um, Yeah. So do you think that there's a message that the movie sends to fans and viewers, um, like, aside from just being, like, funny? Well, I think the message is to dream big and to never give up because Charlie Brown never gave up and then he finally (laughs) succeeded in something until the very end when Lucy pulls the football away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Because they couldn't end the movie with Charlie Brown at the top. (laughs) That never happened. That never happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely – and you did mention that, yeah, being Sally got you into the, you know, the whole Peanuts comic strip, and that's really cool, you know. And so how did your parents and family and friends actually react to you being cast as Lucy since, you know, you started watching it from the specials? 
Yeah, everybody was very supportive. I think my friends are very proud of me and my family, of course. And everybody <laughs> seems to love the movie, so I'm really happy for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about, oh, we're going to go see Peanuts the movie and stuff, and that's so, like, normal for us, but, like, um, was it, like, weird or anything, like, watching the film in the theater for the first time, like, for the premiere and, like, seeing yourself on screen, or was it, like, cool? It was weird and cool, because, like, my voice is coming out of someone who's not me. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and then, but it was cool because, well, it's me, so. And I'm yeah. Happy, so. And then there was a, I was on Dub Smash. And nice. I saw a bunch nice. of my friends did Dub Smash of Lucy. And <laughs> Your friends are there supporting you like that. That's so awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I know. Thank you. So do you think, like, like, what did you learn from your journey with Lucy and, like, from one of your first, like, major roles in your career? Well, I learned that I really liked acting, first of all, because it's really fun. And yeah. um, I got my first play was Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, and then... My most recent thing is the Peanuts movie, so it's kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, it's like a little circle around back to the first play. (laughs) Wow. And so, yeah, again, this whole, like, the circle thing and, you know, um, your first play must have been really memorable and (laughs) it comes back to the Peanuts. Uh, So what was really your most memorable moment from the experience of filming and recording the movie? Well, my most memorable experience was probably going on the press tour a couple weeks ago. Nice. Because that was really a big time where mm-hmm. I got to hang out with some of the kids. And we're all really good friends now. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So do you think, like, you know, now that the Charlie Brown journey is over, um, you, like, you know, I'm assuming that you'll probably, like, audition for a lot more stuff. So what's, like the hardest part for you about the whole audition process? Well, a lot of times you get no's, so I'm kind of used to that. Yeah. But I think I do some voiceover auditions and Mm -hmm. some theatrical and commercial, and they're all different. So voiceover, you audition a certain way, and... Mm -hmm. Um, theatrical, you audition a certain way. So sometimes I get confused between all of them. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, so um, do you, like, have a preference over, like, you know, doing voiceover work um, compared to, like, acting? Like, do you like either one of them better? I like doing both, but I like voiceover because you don't have to memorize the script, which is very nice. But in theatrical, it's really fun because... You get to work with a bunch of, with the cast every single day. And in nice. voiceover, you only get to see them once in a while. Because, mm. so, like, yeah, as you mentioned part. before. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's like recording at different places. So, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I have a very, like, curious question to ask you. So, when you're, like, recording, voice recording, right, do you, do you pull the expressions that, you know, go along with your voice to help you kind of say that voice in that tone like that line in that tone is there like a certain face you know when you're like saying something sad then you actually make your expression go sad even though it's not on film 
Yeah, I do that a lot because when when you're saying you blockhead, you, you can't be smiling when you're saying that because <laughs> you sound right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I'm sad in the movie, I'll have to actually look sad because if I'm smiling, it just won't be exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so do you think that your like acting skills and your experience with acting has really helped you in your voiceover work as well? Yeah, I think so, because you still have to act it out because they video how your mouth is moving so they can kind of fix the animation so the character's Mm. mouth moves like that. (laughs) Oh, so you still have to kind of, yeah, coordinate. So, yeah, again, like, you've been in theater and you've been in voice as well. So what is it really like to go into the voiceover, like, studio? You know, how is it different from walking into the theater and kind of getting to work with the cast there in contrast to just going into, like, a studio where you record everything? Yeah, well, when I'm doing voiceover, it's just me and the director, or the director Mm -hmm. and me, and... So he, the director is very helpful, and mm-hmm. even though there's there are no other kids in there, he'll tell me how Lucy's supposed to be feeling at this point, mm-hmm. and um, maybe he'll say the line before mine. Mm-hmm. And but in theatrical, the same thing happens, except it's actually the other actors doing that, so mm-hmm. it's a little easier. Hmm. And so you know, you were talking about how like. Um, voiceover is kind of like a one-on-one thing. Like it's just the director and you. Do you ever, like, ever have that desire to, like, um, you know, be like with other people and like maybe act with other people? Like, for example, like, would you ever want to like try for like Broadway or something? Yeah, I always wanted to be Matilda, but I think I kind of got too tall for that. Unfortunately, (laughs) but um, yeah. I would consider doing that if I got the mm-hmm. opportunity to go audition for that. That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. that'd be like, you know, a transition onto the huge screen. Oh, man. Yeah. And you're already with Peanuts, though. That's, like, gigantic. Yeah, congratulations, of course. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and you. I hope the music finds, like, a ton of success because, you know, all the diehard Peanut fans. And, you know, I feel like Peanuts really defined everybody's childhood right and so this is gonna be huge and it's gonna be really exciting very pumped (laughs) yay me too yeah (laughs) yeah i know it's like such a you know it's been in our like american culture for such a long time it's gonna be really exciting for everyone yeah i know it's a big deal because there hasn't been a peanuts Mm. movie for like 25 years I think and oh my god yeah so <laughs> this is like it's comeback mm-hmm. that's gonna be great yes and so yeah in the comeback do you find any like pressure about being Lucy or anything or being compared to you know like the previous movies is there any pressure with that way um well sometimes but I just think it's more fun because mm-hmm. um, if I mess up, there's no need to worry because it's voice recorded, so I'll do it over and over again mm-hmm. until I get it how they want it. To yeah. Them, so. Yeah, yeah I feel definitely. Like that's, 
yeah. very nice about voice acting where you can go back and try to, you know, really emulate your character and get into character yourself. And I think that's really cool about voice acting. Yeah. Do you like work like with a uh, coach or anything like on your voice acting? Well, not really. Sometimes, well, the director is really my coach because Mm -hmm. he'll tell me how to inflect my voice at some point. But I don't have a voiceover coach where I just go one-on-one with them. Mm -hmm. Wow, that must be really cool. Um, So, you know, like, with all these, like, auditions and stuff, like, how do you find them? Does your agent find them for you? Or, like, does your family find you auditions? Or do you find them yourself, like, just based on your interests? Or, like, how does that work? I have an agent, and they find me the auditions. So I've been going on a lot of voiceover auditions and some theatrical and commercial. But I don't have to search everywhere to get an audition, which is very nice. Yeah, yeah. And then you can communicate with your agent, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so nice. Um, so so you mentioned that there were, you know, auditioning, different types of auditionings for different acting jobs. So um, could you tell us the different ways to audition? Like how, how you would audition for a theatrical job, a theatrical role versus a voiceover or any other type of acting? Yeah, well, in voiceover... I go into the recording booth at my agent's office because Mm -hmm. they have really good sound booth, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't sound all echoey. And I go in, and it's just me one-on-one with um, the guy who Mm -hmm. works there at the booth, and I'll just record into the microphone, and if he wants me to redo anything, I'll do it and he'll give me tips on how they want it to sound. And when I go into a theatrical audition, I'll have to slate, just be all friendly. And (laughs) then I have, I'm not supposed to look at the camera. I'm supposed to look at the person who's reading it with me. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then at commercial auditions... Well, most commercial auditions, I'm in the room with a bunch of other people. And I'll drive for about an hour to get to the audition. I'll audition for five minutes, and then I'll drive home for another hour. Oh, wow. That's like a long process of getting all of these. And thank you for yeah telling us all the differences. This is great knowledge. I never yeah. really knew how this stuff worked. Yeah, <laughs> so it's always so wonderful to really hear from talented young people like you who are thank going to be you. huge stars in the future. Yeah, I wish you the best success. And it's just been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Hadley. Yeah, and thank you. <laughs> and, oh, And so, listeners, remember to go to your theater and watch the amazing, critically acclaimed new Peanuts movie. Visit the website at http slash slash www.peanutsmovie.com. And also remember to check out Hadley's site at www.hadleybellmiller.com for more info on her new role as Lucy. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia O'Brien, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte. 
And I'm Zara. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be humorous, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself